and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Very excited to have Haley Orentia here. It's probably not the correct way to say her last name. She said it so perfectly on the podcast and I should have been listening. Anyway, you'll hear it. Uh, you might know her from the Goldbergs, obviously, or you might know her as an upcoming country music star. We talk all about the music industry and her start in it and what country music actually is and what it means to other people. We also uh, talk about the fact that she and her family uh, might be coming to an HGTV-ish type of show near you. They flip homes, renovate homes. Her interior design knowledge is incredible. Um, and so she's a little Joanna Gaines uh, gaining momentum. We talk about everything. Um, what else? Oh, and we give you guys some great advice on, you know, just some really important life stuff from uh, breakups with no closure to wearing white Crocs in, in public. Don't forget, if you want to submit some of your questions to get answered by me and my guests, email us at nottoodeepwithgracehelbig at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Haley Orentia. I wish I knew how to say it. You'll hear it. Haley, I am so excited that you are here. Um, I have to talk to you about so many different things, so many different facets of your creative uh, and artistic world. Um, but one of the most burning questions I, I have is that in 2018, you were a guest diner on Hell's Kitchen. And I'm curious about that experience. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. Because what a journey it was. I mean, tell me everything. I am fascinated. You know, I don't even remember how... I want to say maybe it was through like a PR thing at the time where they were looking for people to come dine there. And yeah. I was like, yes, I of course. love food. I would love <laughs> to be there if someone gets yelled at, you know, yes. just a witness. So I ended up taking two of my girlfriends and we went to go dine in. And um, I don't know if like it ruins the whole allure of what it looks like, but where we went was not a restaurant. It mm. was, it was almost like, uh, somewhere deep in Simi Valley, like okay. in the middle of nowhere, it felt like. Um, what was a converted, like maybe grocery store that just ah. had like a set almost, but then they okay. had the restaurant in it. So when you walk into the restaurant, you're like, this is nice. Yeah. You know, but it was very weird. Like I thought we were going to be going to a proper restaurant. Yeah. Um, but it was so fun. And the food was amazing like really okay oh my god incredible like Great, i'll never forget you can't, the flatbread you can't fake that really no no that it really was good and we weren't in a position where we couldn't actually hear or see the kitchen which was disappointing okay. to a degree <laughs> yeah like but, i just <laughs> want to see if anyone gets bread slammed on the sides of their head <laughs> exactly <laughs> but the one other thing that was really funny that it just plays into the whole like it's a tv show at the end of the day yeah. is given the fact that we're there over the course of a few hours, the waiters are coming to obviously, you know, feed you and give you anything you want to drink. But for continuity purposes, they oh have boy. to keep your wine glass at the same height. <laughs> so they warned us, they're like, just so you know, like try to, you know, remember that we're constantly <laughs> filling it. We're like, yeah, okay. Did not remember that. So yeah. we were giggling. We were just having, a, we were wine drunk a little bit. Oh, that's the best way. If you're going to be in a fake grocery store restaurant (laughs) and you're not going to get to see the actual behind the scenes of Hell's Kitchen, you got to get wine drunk. That's the only opportunity to do that. I mean, like, I don't know what they thought. We were like 23, like, or 21 around there. Like, just, oh, free wine. Keep it coming. And then 
two hours later, but great flatbread. I'll never forget it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Haley, I want to know about your life. You have, like I said, a very multifaceted and diverse, like creative uh, landscape that you work in. And I'm so fascinated to hear like how you got to where you are right now. Like where did it, it started in music when you were younger? Yes. Okay. Talk me through that. I started doing, I started singing when I was like nine and it was just kind of like along to the radio. And then Mm -hmm. a family friend was like, you got a voice, like you should take lessons or something. And I'm nine. So just like, okay, like, (laughs) let me consider it. And I'll come back when I'm done playing cash register. (laughs) Literally. I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure what you want me to do with this. Um, but it was kind of, I, to me, it was like, if any other kid had picked up you know, soccer for the summer. Like for mm-hmm. me, I like went and worked on learning how to sing and play piano. And it cool. was just became something I really fell in love with, even though I was terrified of going on stage at times. Really? Um, but I just like did it anyway and fought through it. And I have so many like embarrassing moments that my family has, like of me singing at festivals <laughs> where I'm just like, forget all the words. Really? I have uh... a full-blown panic attack at 12, but then you just, yeah. So I, I started singing, performing at festivals across Dallas-Fort Worth, where I'm from. Um, and I was literally anywhere from 11 to 14 was like that. Wow. What's a festival like for people that aren't <laughs> familiar with that world? And I know it's going to be very like, you know, from a teenager's pers- uh, you know, point of view. Yeah. But what's that like for you? You know, there was a wide range of festivals. Like the Dallas-Fort okay. Worth area puts on festivals, I feel like all the time. I was constantly uh, yeah. doing stuff. I would assume if there's a certain type of food that it'd be like, there's a festival for it now. Oh yeah. And it, but it would also just be for the sake of having a festival. So there was, um, (laughs) the pumpkin patch festival. That was probably (laughs) my my, uh, lowest audience. It was just my parents. A very engaged audience though. That's all you need. My biggest fans were there. So it was fine. Um, no, that like the pumpkin patch festival speaks for itself, but it was very small. Um, you know, one of these, suburbs of dallas and then there was like the red white and blues festival which was from my hometown um highland village texas where it was they would get some pretty big musical names for like texas country music to go and perform uh and so when i was god was i 14 i got to open um I think that it was either like Eli Young band or so. I don't know if you know country music, right? But I know very surface level yeah. all music. So I don't uh, discriminate the music that I don't know anything about. Right. I don't know anything about all music. There you go. That's a good place to be at. But, yeah. uh, no, but it was a pretty big band. And so for me, this was like one of the biggest things I'd ever did. And, wow. and it's just people, you know, going to food trucks or running around kids. They had fireworks at the end. You know, it's very like... It's just very like community-based festivals. And I just grew up performing at those, which was fun. But I learned how to like deal with different malfunctions of being on stage at an early age. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're handling all these very adult uh, feelings of like fear, anxiety, all of these and performance, all of this stuff. And so does this then take you to Los Angeles? It's funny because it's to try to shorten the story as much as possible. I started doing music. And when Mm -hmm. I was 15, I had a manager who was based in Los Angeles who knew all the record labels from in in Los Angeles as well as New York. Mm -hmm. So when I was 14, I or 15 around there, I went and met with like Motown and Epic and Wow. And at the time did you at this sorry, at this point, did you want to do country music? That was like the No. No, okay. I do you remember JoJo? 
She's going to oh, come back now. Yes, I okay. do remember. That's in my wheelhouse of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be Jojo so bad because I was like, I can see I'm that. a few years younger than her. She would put her album out. She was like success, successful at like 14. Yeah. So Wait, I, what is the song? Get out. Right now. Right now. Yeah. Okay. Yes. okay, <laughs> okay. Too little too late. Like, yes. But she has this like big voice and has this sort of soul R&B like um, in everything that she does. And that's what I grew up on. And so I wanted Mm. to do that, even though I do love pop music. So that's always like been influenced as well. Um, And so that's when I met with record labels. And to make a long story short, they were supportive, but they didn't want to take on a 14 year old who like doesn't know what is going on. So um they recommended that I start taking acting classes and do the Disney thing. So like get a TV show and a record deal in one. And I'm like, I don't want to be an actress. I like had zero, like what? Really? Literally. And so I was like, okay, I'll figure it out then. So I went back home to Dallas and it just so happens that in my hometown, there Mm -hmm. is an acting school called Catherine Sullivan's acting for film that pretty much every Disney channel star that's ever like happened like selena demi they everything all came out of that school because we all wow. in the same area yeah. weirdly enough so i took from those that school and i really kind of struggled to be honest like i didn't understand the technique of like acting and yeah i wasn't someone that like out of all the other kids in class that they were like you've got something special so i was <laughs> just like, like you've got to do your homework yeah <laughs> work like, a little harder okay <laughs> so i leave crying i don't know if my <laughs> acting coach knows that but um you know went on auditions and it wasn't for a few more years X Factor happened at one point, and then a year later, I kept auditioning and booked the Goldbergs, and then came out to LA. So wow. I actually booked it when I was in Dallas. Still, so. when you were still in Texas, wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you've been what since 2013 or so? Like, yeah. yep, that's all. Yeah, you're going eight years at this point, nine that's years same. or something. Yes, that's <laughs> wild. And so, I mean, I'm sure it's hard to encapsulate like what the experience has been like. Um, but do you look back ever at like, you know, 2013 self to now and like, uh, let it sink in a little bit Yeah, all the time. I think, I think there's, it's funny because I have so many friends here that they do the same thing. They've been chasing this forever and doing acting. And we've seen some of our friends really change with whatever comes. And, and then everyone always tells me they're like, you're literally the same person. Maybe to a bad (laughs) point. Like maybe something should, yeah. I'm like, like, a little too normal. I'm like, okay. Should so, I have had some kind of major public breakdown? I yes, don't know. <laughs> which I did at one point, but it was <laughs> anyway. I feel like I, for the most part, because of where I came from and how I grew up and how I fell into acting, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it just came about in a unique way. I feel like I am constantly in check with like who I was growing up. And yeah. I just, I'm, I'm learning and growing and knowing that it, that's going to keep happening the day I die. And so I just am gonna, thankfully, I have a really great parents that really like keep me grounded and help me through everything. It seems like you are deeply connected to your family. Um, so much so that there's a new, um, revelation that's happening that I'm so fascinated by. Uh, so you deadline announced that, uh, you guys have signed on to do a home renovations reality show. Uh, that's like, so your family, already does like a home reno flipping kind of thing and now you guys are developing that into a like reality kind of i don't know the right way to describe it without going hgtv show yeah (laughs) 
So essentially like, um, that kind of idea really it's, so my dad had been flipping houses ever since I was little. Um, he's from Montana. So he has mostly okay. properties there that he would work on, but my dad wouldn't flip them to be like cute. He would flip them for <laughs> financial reasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, my mom, that's the whole industry. It's so fascinating. It's so aspirational because you watch all these shows. At least I'm, you know, <laughs> a junkie of all these home and garden television shows. Yep. And so I'm like, I feel like I could do that, but I know I could not do that. Well, that's the thing. It's like, at what level do you want to be super hands-on about it? And during this pandemic, I've seen so many people like really DIY some stuff, which is awesome. But God, Home Depot is like packed. You don't even want to go in there right now. (laughs) Like it's a nightmare. Everyone, yeah. (laughs) It's like bad. It's like a big Friday or Black Friday sale or whatever it's called. It's like so crazy. Um, but my dad's been flipping houses. And then as I want to say maybe five years ago, my mom got into real estate. Um, Mm. and she'd never done that before she had been involved as a consultant for years. And so she finally found like something she loves. Like she's so good in a real estate agent. So she finds our houses, she sells that, you know, that's the process she'll take on. My dad's Ah. like the contractor. And in the last four years, I really fell in love with interior design and interior decorating. I've seen your most recent spread in yeah. Home and Gardens UK. Um, your home is beyond gorgeous. Thank uh, you. We're seeing a little bit of it here. The uh, I have so many questions about um, how to do plants um, because your home <laughs> looks insanely riddled Thanks. with beautiful plants. But so you have gotten into this with your parents now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So ever since I kind of was like, I really love decorating and, and designing and I want to learn more about interior design. I was like, you know, dad, if I pop in on the family business, obviously you manage the budget, but I'll be there to be like, that makes more sense than that option. And, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make it look nice. I, it, yeah. I, all about like, people should want to be able to move into a home and feel like it inspires them. And I feel like mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, especially if it's a renting out scenario, landlords like don't know what they're doing. They don't care. Yeah. No, they have no aesthetic sort of brain no. about anything. Yeah. And I care a little too much. And I also know <laughs> that I have plenty of friends that like, you know, they have style in, in other aspects of their life, but they don't know where to start when it comes to their home. And when you mm. s- give someone a foundation of something that's already got some cool elements to work with, I feel like that makes it easier for someone. So that's kind of where I jump in. But um yeah, my family started this business and we'll see if it ends up becoming a show. <laughs> this is so exciting. Uh, have you guys decided as a family unit uh, in working on the show how to cohesively work together? Are there rules? Are there guidelines? That, or is it kind of unspoken and everyone sort of abides by the unspoken rules? It's funny. It like working with my parents, because I've actually worked with them for a lot, lot, like my whole life. My dad's yeah. managed me, like he's helped me through so much stuff and they're great at it. So in some ways we know the dynamics, mm-hmm. but with this new like business venture, it is kind of different because you're discovering some stuff you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. In a way I am the boss because I have like final say on like what fixtures and things we choose. But at the same time, my dad is because he's the one that's like, we got to stick with the budget. Right, right, and, right. My mom obviously has a say because it comes down to things involving real estate and how are we going to sell and just all that 
plays into it. So in a way, we're all figuring it out together, which is fun. That's um, sweet. And we trust each other in in what jobs we've taken on with us. You know, that's I mean, that trust is, I would imagine, the most um, important piece of foundation for the yes. whole thing. <laughs> ha, do you guys watch HGTV shows to get inspiration? Has this been like a family thing you've done growing up? Or is it something that you've done that you've kind of been like, you guys got to watch this married <laughs> couple and get some, you know, tips on right. how to do this? You know, I remember growing up and my parents watched a lot of those shows, even mm-hmm. before it was like cable television. They had those, uh, oh my God, VHS tapes. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, I don't even remember what it was. It was some family, some couple that was flipping <laughs> houses and telling you how to do it. And like, they would watch those. So I think, oh, and then the biggest thing was growing up, um, Extreme Home Makeover. Oh yeah. Big time. Oh, coolest show for kid. Like Ugh. they would take your, your hobbies or your dreams and they would just like blow it up into your bedroom. Throw it on your wall and make things that you couldn't even imagine could happen in the closet of your bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so we watched that a lot growing up. And I want to say maybe my first inspiration without knowing that it was stemming from this to get into interior design was my parents watching those shows mm. and being nice enough to be like, Oh, you want to do music? You can't be in your room for like, a month or two and then we're gonna like when you come in it's gonna be like an extreme home makeover thing so oh, i walk that's in so sweet it was like they had built a stage in my bedroom oh, <laughs> like, really? with oh, lights this is so cute but like by the way so spoiled like spoiled <laughs> i don't want to say it but it's, i'm uh, an only child if you can't tell well that's so, i mean there you go it's it's yeah. all good they just supported your dreams and aspirations that's how i view it but i think <laughs> many other people will be like you're spoiled run um built a stage with lights and we had like a wow. karaoke machine so my friends would come over and we would just like sing uh, karaoke on the stage it was awesome incredible think that was like my first thing of like oh you can make a room really dope if you want to like just put yeah. a elbow grease into it and it can like inspire a lot of things well you've also been it looks like working on your home uh that you're in what's been that process for you do you do everything do you design everything in your home and kind of like make it happen or is it kind of like a do you collaborate with other people I will say moving into this home specifically, which I, I did mid pandemic, which was wild. Perfect but, time. Um, perfect timing. <laughs> uh, and so did that, but the previous owners did a great job of actually renovating the, the whole house for the most part. Mm. Um, but there are aspects that I've definitely changed. I'm in the process of changing. So yes. like maybe you saw in the home and gardens magazine, there, there are certain like installations of things that um, are collaborations with friends of mine. For example, um, Marston and Brunt Art Studio, which are some friends of mine that are in Venice, California. They do living walls, they do faux moss walls, they do murals. So they like, I've worked with them a handful of times on my place here and they've done some things that have just like made this space feel completely different than it was before. So things like that. And I will say like now that we've just wrapped season eight, I'm finally getting to like a certain rooms that while the the living space that you saw looks done and it is done. Yeah. There's so many like this room. I'm so not even ready to touch on yet. Like it's well, so many the things. angle that you're showing looks impeccable. So and I totally here. It's going to be nice. I get it. <laughs> this looks very well done. Every other part of this room is a tragedy. Is this right in your now. house? 
Yeah, this is my office space so right now. Amazing. This is very gay paint. Uh, highly oh, recommend. Wait. I think I've seen them. They are incredible. Uh, I will rec- recommend them till the day I die. They're absolutely yes. fantastic. If you need any um, sort of like retro, cool, modern mural Sick. stuff done. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Oh, I love um, that. See, that's the kind of stuff. It's like fun. Like no one does yeah. that. You know what right. I mean? And it's nice to be bold. And to think outside the box. I mean, I, I gave them permission to think outside the box. Yep. I couldn't think of this, but God bless the people that are that creative. Yes. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I have a bunch more questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here. Wanting to say two things, a big thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not too deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the app store and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good, bad, otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. Okay, quick question. What's like a dream thing that you want in your home that may or may not happen? A dream if thing. There's, want, yeah, if yeah. there's something insane that, because I've always wanted a slide uh, like That's inside amazing. my home <laughs> somewhere. I mean, this is, I live my childhood fantasy and I haven't gotten well, it yet, but I think one day I will uh, eventually you know what's get there. funny is like, I, uh, well, actually, I do have friends that have a fire whole thing uh, amazing, the, amazing amazing like it's a playground it's great yeah but one thing that it's not really in the home but it's a part of the property and okay. i think this was inspired by covid because at this point i don't even want to have to go to a bar ever again i just want to like have Same. the bar be my house yeah so 100%. there's this long ass driveway by my like alongside my house and yeah. there's almost space that you like don't even know what to do with but hmm. it wraps around to the backyard. So I was thinking if I like hmm. won 10 bajillion dollars, I would yeah. buy an Airstream <gasps> and like deck it out with like a patio around it with like a 100%. whole, you know what I mean? And just like 100%. the whole backyard would go from like cool patio with the TV, like trampoline type chilling yep. grassy, <laughs> and then just like boho airstream like ah uh, amazing you know? and everyone that goes there has to sign a waiver so they don't jump on the trampoline <laughs> after going to the airstream that's actually something i've been thinking about <laughs> and i, I like, think in, i feel like in general like i also don't have things that are necessarily like um booby traps for people yeah. <laughs> but i don't trust myself let alone yes. my other adult friends so it's no like slight on them i just want to make sure that yeah just like be careful yeah yeah be careful and also like sign this so that I don't have to be careful for you. Really? That'd be great. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh, that's probably smart. <laughs> um, I think you could do that. I can also picture the Instagram already. Picture the aesthetics of it. It oh, yeah. sounds amazing. Um, okay, Haley, I'm going to ask you um, the two questions that I ask every single guest that is on the podcast uh, with me. The first is, who, alive or dead, would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, now let me ask. Mm-hmm. I feel like people wouldn't enjoy that, right? Well, there might be see, some people. 
this is entirely up to you. Um, right. This is a, a bit of a personal interpretation of what mm. your intention would be in the, right, in the right, throwing. Right, 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 right. So you can mm. throw it joyfully. You can throw it uh, spitefully. <laughs> you can throw it in any way that you choose at any person in which you... Uh, spaghetti. You know, I... And I also, know. this is an answer that can change on a daily basis. This is just That's who in this true. moment right now comes you know, you to mind. You get cut off in traffic and then it's that guy, you know? Exactly. Um, I don't know why, but of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is my, like, psychotic ex. I think he deserves there a nice go. slap of cold spaghetti to the face, <laughs> you know? Is this the ex that um, the EP was yeah. uh, dedicated to? Okay. Yeah. I feel like I haven't ever gotten to, like, properly... I mean, I... I wrote about it in People Magazine and wrote a whole EP about it, but I haven't gotten to like say to him yeah. how I feel, in which case cold spaghetti might be the key. There you go. That might well, be all that's left to be said. A question about the EP. Um, when you were writing this, obviously massively cathartic, I imagine. Um, and now you're in an, uh, another relationship. Is there a uh, worry in the new relationship that songs will be written about the new partner? Yes, but hopefully not in a betrayal. Not in that way at all. Way. <laughs> like, <laughs> Only in a loving, uplifting kind of yeah. celebratory way. <laughs> there is a song I'm working on because I want to put out a new EP in the next in this year. Okay. Um, and one of the songs I wrote a while back when we first started dating um, is a duet that I think I'm going to put on the EP, and it's called "Where I'm At," and uh-huh. it's about like because he kind of experienced uh, trauma with X as well that was just yeah. like made it really hard for either of us to. Um, even though we are like monogamous people and we love the idea of like love. Yeah. There's damage there. And so the song's kind of about like, you know, I obviously really like you, but I, and I'm just like easing into it and that's just Mm -hmm. where I'm at. And so I, there are songs that have been written about him and there will be plenty more. I'm sure. But that's super sweet to realize. I mean, like everyone comes into relationships with baggage, but to like check each other's luggage on the way in (laughs) and be like, I got you. Don't worry. I came with too many bags too. I have to pay for, uh, you know, a hundred more dollars here in American Airlines. Exactly. Exactly. Um, on a, a slightly lighter note, the other question I ask every single guest that's on the podcast is to tell us your worst um, pants shitting story or like a bathroom emergency scenario. Uh, but you can only use three <laughs> words to describe the event or three small phrases to describe the event. Oh. So to give you an example, um, mine um, is college jogging front lawn. Oh, no. I know, so I know. Sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry for that person's house. <laughs> it wasn't my front lawn. You know what's wild? I'll use three words, but and then we can go further into the discussion. Sure. But I'm shocked to say it's never happened. Wow. I no, know any bathroom emergency situation. I mean, it's kind of what because I've had this conversation with friends. Mm. Yeah, and, I'm, and I ask this question. I probably know that about every friend because wow. I'm curious because I've heard so many stories, and I'm like, yeah. "What's your story?" And every person I know has one, and mm. I never, ha- I swear, like, wow. I mean, I trust you. I fully trust you. I um, I don't think, know how. I mean, you just, I think, are probably better in tune with your body. <laughs> I, I really think the actual like uh you know conclusion here is that people have these stories because they are in their heads and not their bodies yeah. a lot of the time <laughs> that, you know so. you, in that case i should have many times but no i mean i've almost 
pissed myself plenty of times. Like there was when you're in traffic, um, where I was in Hollywood or something and, or no, it was coming out of, um, Oh God, where was I near Silver Lake? Like right off the highway. And yeah, that's like Silver Lake Boulevard, that whole overpass. It's so crowded. Mm-hmm. And I was going to die, I felt yeah. like. So I just swerved around traffic and got ran into a McDonald's. There you go. You know, this was See, pre- so it oh. has happened to you. So you have had bathroom emergencies before. Yeah, but it's they more just, peeing than I haven't. I haven't ever knocked on wood. I don't knock on all the wood. Knock <laughs> on your whole wood wall behind you. I don't wish that on you at all whatsoever. Um, but please let us know I'll if you want to do a follow up podcast. <laughs> I'll tweet you. Be like, boy, do I have a story for you? <laughs> Cannot wait. Uh, okay, we now have like a, this kind of new section on our podcast that we're trying out, and it's called Hot or Deep. And it's basically you get to choose whether you would like to answer a deep question that we have prepared for you or give us your hot take on a topic that we have for you so would you like to answer Ooh. a deep question or would you like to give us a hot take i'm probably better with the deep questions but because i'm a little nervous about the hot take but okay but maybe that's where we go maybe we hot take it. go hot take okay uh i this is very don't worry it's not that hot it's a bit mild okay, um no. so in talking about music and, and country music, what are your thoughts when people say, I like all genres of music except country? Oh, that happens so often. And yeah, I, I, I imagine that, that happens. And I, so that's why I'm curious for someone that like grew up in that world. What are your thoughts on it? Well, and my, my boyfriend has said it. So and you really think, like there's no way that's going to work. But, <laughs> you know, it, it does. And I think it's because growing up, even being in Texas, I really didn't listen to an insane amount of country music. I grew okay. up with like a lot more like big vocalists, like Whitney, Celine, um, on mm-hmm. R and B kind of stuff. So it was kind of a transition at a later point in my life where I like listened to a lot of country and I really appreciated like the storytelling aspects or yeah. how emotionally driven it can be. Um, so with that being said, I do have plenty of friends in Los Angeles that still say that to this day to mm. my face knowing that I make country music and I'm like, <laughs> okay, but, and I think it, it's just because there's an idea of what country music is in some people's minds that didn't grow up with yeah. it, like whether it's super twangy or it's literally, and there's plenty of it songs about the, you know, sitting barefoot in my truck and wearing right. Daisy Dukes and drinking a beer. <laughs> like it's all, it's like, you can write it yourself at this point. Sure. Um, but it's this similar thing to any other genre where it's like, I can look at rap music and say like, man, how many more songs do we need about a girl twerking? Like I've mm-hmm. heard it. like you can do it with really every genre. I'm curious how, let's say hypothetically an alien came down. I'd never heard of country music before. How would you describe that to that creature? Oh. Well, let's see. I mean, I would say <laughs> a creature that, by the way, has no bias, like yes, has no totally like preconceived notions of it. Okay. I would say country music. Uh, it's, it really is about storytelling more mm. so than almost any other genre. I feel like it, for me, when I write country music, it's very vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's just straight up truth telling. Mm. Um, and that's what, I think allows it to connect and resonate with a large group of people. Um, But 
just add a banjo in there and that's really all it is anymore. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I feel yeah, I do feel like you can write a country song that can be malleable to mm-hmm. be made into a pop song or to be made into like a heavy metal song. I mean, it's yeah. like I feel like you could take nine to five and put Van Halen on there exactly. and see what happens. <laughs> I feel like, you know, <sighs> It's t- well, that's a great point, though, because there are aspects of country music that I'll be listening to, whether it's, um, I mean, take Dolly Parton's uh, I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Like people look at that and go, that's Whitney Houston's song. It's like, right. actually, if you do a little research, it's a Dolly Parton song. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I mean, I was talking about this with my boyfriend, Greg, the other day. We were naming all these songs that we were listening to. And we're like, that, did you know that's actually a cover of a country song from way back in the day? Like, wild. It's, it's a root of a lot of other music. And I think nowadays country music top 100 mm-hmm. isn't what I am. I think my parents grew up knowing country music to be. There are still people that sing that classic, like country Western sound and yeah. hold true to that. But it really has changed a lot and has so many other influence of, of other genres in it that, you know, I, I think it's just, it's ever changing. But at the end yeah. of the day, it's about, to, for me at least, it's about the lyrics and the story. Cool. It also feels like a genre that has an opportunity to just like um, kind of reinvent itself again and again. Mm-hmm. Like you have uh, aspects of it that are able to kind of like be influenced by different music genres and like yep. still at the core be a country song. Yeah, I don't know. That's me talking out my ass about all this. No, it's completely <laughs> accurate. That's completely accurate. And I think that's what like now I wouldn't even be able to say I can't say I'm strictly country music. I'm like country yeah. pop and influenced by other things. So. I'm one of the problem child children uh, that they always talk about, but I'm, well, I'm curious. Uh, do you have a dream like collaboration? Oh, I'm sure you have a ton of them. So many, so many, um, in the country pop music world, I have always loved like Dan and Shay. They've done a really great Mm. job of, um, their first album. I loved, and I had it on repeat their second album too. Like, there's just, and I love, um, Shay's voice. He's like the, the main singer and lead singer in that group. And yeah. just, they know how to write a song and they know how to sing it. And I would love to collaborate with them. But if you were to take myself outside of the country world, mm-hmm. um, I have always been a massive fan of Sarah Bareilles <gasps> because of her lyrics yeah. and ju- and her voice. And she's so funny. Cool. Like she's just awesome. And yeah. now, did you see she has a show coming out that she's no, I did in? not. What? It's called Girl Five Ever, and it's about a girl group that's like okay. maybe ten or fifteen years later after they've been considered like washed up or something, and they're I'm literally dancing. writing this down. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a comedy, and I can't wait to see her in this. So, Ugh. you know, I I'm a massive fan of hers, and so if I ever got to even just write with her or have coffee with her and talk about pooping our pants, I would do there it. See, this is a podcast meant for manifesting. So yes. hopefully this happens down the line. Okay, <laughs> we're going to take uh, one last quick break. And when we get back, we have some viewer and listeners su- submitted questions that they need some help on. So we'll be right back with more Not Your Deep. Okay, Haley, let's get into some of these listener and viewer submitted questions. Again, just a caveat, we are not professionals and this is not professional advice. This is just uh, our own musings on things that might be able to help you out in some capacity. 
So um, someone has written that uh, in the post-pandemic world, when restaurants are a thing again, and I will once again be faced with the anxiety of having to order food uh, at such an establishment, how do I click quickly decide what I want to order so that I don't break out in a cold sweat thinking I'm wasting the server's time? Also, is there a way to detect the server before they ask if everything is okay as my mouth is stuffed full of food? <laughs> I love this question because it is something I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Because my boyfriend is so indecisive. We call it the, the there's always two. Okay. Like, anytime we go anywhere <laughs> in the history of time, it might even be food, just anything. It's oh man, I'm looking at the duck as well as the tacos. And like, you know, it's just two drastically different things. He doesn't, it's always two. And he will always ask the server and what they recommend opinion. And he may or may not go with that. And then the minute he makes the decision, they walk away and he goes, I should have gotten the other thing. And then I have to console him to be like, it's one meal. We're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're saying, so does he... When he's asking the server, it's just to hear like kind of a public opinion, but not to necessarily take that opinion, but only to sometimes maybe take that opinion. Yes. Okay. Yes. What an interesting resource. I know. (laughs) It's just like he wants, he'll ask other people at the table. Of course, he just wants um, help to make the decision because it is difficult for him. And then when everyone gives their opinions, he's still struggling up until the last (laughs) moment. And then the walkway, he's still like upset over it. And then okay. I'll be fine. But like, oh God, it every day. Wow. So, so at my least, advice. Yeah. What's your advice on this then? Would be just go for it. I don't yeah. think the odds of you leaving that meal and immediately getting hit by a bus and like that having been your last meal, it's pretty slim. There you you go. can like, if you hate it, that was one <laughs> crappy meal. You know, yeah. like I just it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be like the the last thing ever. And also if it's a good thing or like a decent, even if it sucks, you can yeah. go back and try the other thing later. You know? Yeah. I, yes, a hundred percent. I also feel like there is a, um, you know, the, the social interaction provides its own anxiety mm. uh, on top of the anxiety of like making sure you're ordering food that you like might like or, like. or something. I would say if you know where you're going to eat, like start racking your brain a little bit. If you know that Before you're a nervous, you yeah, if you're a nervous orderer and like you might be rattled by the social interact- interaction of like a server, like start thinking preemptively. It's not weird to do that. Uh, totally my friend true. Mamrie looks up literally... Uh, menus for restaurants as soon as she's told that she's going there so yep. she can start figuring out exactly what she wants so like think about it preemptively get a game plan going for yourself that's fantastic you know what i also do but i feel like for people who already have anxiety about choosing this might only amplify it so maybe don't take this <laughs> advice okay but for me it, it helps me quickly decide when i get to the restaurant i will look at the yelp page and look at the photo. I'm like a visual person. Yes, 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 yes. So I have to see the photos and I'm like, okay, breakfast burrito or omelet. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, for sure. You know, it just like helps me decide because when it gets to my table, I know exactly what I'm looking at. Right. And then your expectations aren't um, disappointed because you imagine something completely different in your head. Yeah. Unless the the... restaurant really threw me for a loop and that was just not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Also, yeah, 100%. And as being like a server in the past, uh, I can say that like, yeah, there's nothing but 
empathy of people ordering that it's like, we just want you to get your order out. You don't have to make it perfect. You just have to do it. That's all. So if in the context of like being a server, yeah, standing there waiting, is that what is that like for you? It is. Well, it's tough because if it's if it is, um, you know, I've been years out of waiting tables now, but I imagine the anxiety like human just interaction is, you know, timeless. Uh, (laughs) I I feel like there were a few different instances where it was one either like obligatory someone being a little bit of a um, narcissist, for lack of a better word, like trying to be like, what do you think about this? And not seeing that the rest (laughs) of the restaurant is incredibly busy. Busy. And also knowing that this person is never going to actually take my, they just want to speak and be kind of presentational about their whole order. Then there's the anxiety orders of people that just like feel very strange about the interaction between a server and them. And like, or like children when parents are like, you have to order for yourself now. And kids are very... And then you see the adult versions of that, like they've never grown out of that way of ordering. Uh, So it's always like, you know, you're I mean, I can't speak for every server. Everyone's different. But I'm always had been on the side of like, I get it. I'm anxious to be in the person that's coming (laughs) here and doing stuff for you guys. I don't know you. So it's like we're both in the same boat. What's with us? I know. Thank God. I haven't had to do this for a year in this pandemic. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like what it's so funny. Like people go out to eat every single day and this is everyone experiences this all the time and like i'm so out of practice with it this like over the last few uh, year uh that i have my own anxiety about like am i gonna speak correctly to a server (laughs) again like i don't want to be uh inappropriate but i'm also out of practice with this right (laughs) it's it's a weird i've just now started going out to like eat i did take a trip with my boyfriend recently to new york to finally see like his friends and family and stuff nice and they are surprisingly more open than los angeles is Mm. so i feel like we sat down a lot there and it was a weird it was just weird because we haven't yeah. done this in forever. Right. No yeah. one really kn- and then they also still have their shields and everything too. So you're having to like yell at them to be like, I want the mac and cheese. Like, it's right. Very, like, yeah, very- it's all very strange. So you're like, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to like still retain yes. the, the rules of society right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's hard. Um, okay. Here's another question that perhaps you, uh, you kind of touched on a little bit. Cameron writes, how do you get over a breakup without closure? Is that possible? It is. It is. It's harder for sure. Um, Because in my case, I, it wasn't just like, oh, you cheated on me. And like, I, which I say that even though that's devastating. I don't know why I said it like that. It's like, (laughs) that's traumatizing for everyone that it happens to. Um, But it wasn't just like as a simple, like this has happened before. It was very complicated with like, oh, he's stealing your money. And there's all these other weird things involved in his life that you didn't know about. Like he pretty much was lying about who he was. It was like a a Dirty John. I couldn't watch that show because that like... Too triggering, yeah. Essentially was my story, except no one, thank God, died at the end. So like, you know, that's pretty much what it was. And And that makes you question your whole sense of like trust in people and character judgments and everything everyone i literally kicked out majority of the people in my life whether they were it was right to or not it's just because i i had something about it that was like i don't know if i trust you anymore yeah you have to heal yourself and figure yourself out yeah yeah so with that like the closure was especially weird because it, it i couldn't like speak 
to all of those things because it was carrying over into other relationships and other Mm. aspects of my life, which was just unhealthy. Yeah. Um, But as far as like just not getting proper closure, I mean, it's possible. It's just whether you have to find your way of therapy. So whether that's Mm. actually going to therapy for me, it was a combination of that. Um, my therapy's writing music. I, yeah. My therapy was also putting his ass on blast, which I totally did. Not everyone has to do that or needs to do that, but I also needed to do it mm-hmm. on behalf of just needing to him to know that he did me wrong and all the other women that he's done this to that never got a chance to do it. Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, did stand up for the first time to try to like laugh about it. Really? You know? And we, I mean, not that the audience necessarily found all of these things to be funny, but I sure did. So, yeah. I, you know, it's, I mean, it's, I, I feel like the, um, unfortunate kind of like diagnosis for that is that it's on you to do all the work to get the closure that you need because you're never going to get it from this other person. Yeah. And, and so it's like coming, reconciling the fact that like, you're going to have to do a lot more work and this person fucking sucks and they've yeah. left me with all of this work to do for myself. But like, if you can reconcile that, it's up to you to do that shit, to like get yourself recentered and refocus. Absolutely. That, Cause that's exactly what it is. You just have to, there's no like handbook for how you're going to get past it or how mm-hmm. long it's going to take. Um, and it's gonna, it, it like that kind of stuff, it really like shakes you up. And so a lot of changes have to be made, but it starts from wherever, where you feel like you want to go and just like, tr- trust your gut more than anything is my yeah. like, key thing from coming out of that. Do you do any like tarot cards? Do you do any like um, spiritual stuff to check in with yourself? Yeah. So I don't actually know how to like read tarot cards or do tarot cards, but my aunt does and so cool. every time i see her she'll do a little checkup with me which is always oh, awesome i love it um she's super in tune with like the other side too so yeah, it's yeah. like it's pretty wild um but i'm very much a spiritual person i got really into crystals and saging uh, things yeah. and energy and so i'm i'm into that and i feel that now mm. like whenever i do have any sort of interaction that just makes me feel like a little icky. I will literally just sage myself or my house, my door, whatever. And even if it's just like psycho, is it psychosomatic? Is that what that word is? Mm -hmm. Where even if it's just that, like, fine. Like if it doesn't work for It works for me. That's all that that. needs to work for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yoga. I I do a lot of yoga to like reconnect myself and, and things like that. So you know, just whatever works for you. Right. Nice. 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 Okay. Last question for you before we wrap up. Um, someone is, uh, has a very serious question. I've been having trouble, uh, recently. It's extremely important to me. I've decided to purchase myself a pair of white Crocs. I was however told that this is my way of officially, uh, probing that I have no friends. I was wondering if you could give me some advice on whether you think it is socially acceptable for these Crocs to be worn with passion or frowned upon by society. Um, of course, some people are sensitive to this kind of subject. So I understand if this is too upsetting to talk about. (laughs) I love this person. Yeah, same. Uh, first of all, I struggle with white shoes. Say, I, I struggle about. with white clothing, white anything. anything. I have white napkin, all of it. Like, yeah, that, oh my God, the anxiety I have at a restaurant when I like, yep. and it's dirty. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did. I apologize. I'll wash it. Oh, I felt so bad. Anyway, so white Crocs is yeah. another level because I'm curious why you feel I've never owned a pair of Crocs. I just um, got my first pair. 
what do we think? Uh, they're yellow, bright yellow. They're right. like little duck feet and they're my <laughs> new house shoes and they're very fun, but I do feel like an actual cartoon character when I'm wearing them. <laughs> I don't know that I will ever have the guts to wear them outside of my own home. Um, but I feel like if anyone, you know, even wants to, they should, I wouldn't yeah. see someone in a target wearing Crocs and be like, be like absolutely oh. not. I'd be like, wow, that's incredible. That's You're inspiring. Comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like my version of Crocs right now that I have is I I got one of those, I don't know what the style is called, but they're like the slip on with thick straps. And yes, yes, yes. Same kind of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that it was, it took me a while to like go, can I wear these? Like, are these working for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, yeah. And at first they were just house shoes and now I've worn them in public and I'm just owning it. Right. Like, it Perfect. just is what it is. So that's as close as I can get to like, I will say with Crocs, I never thought they would take off to the degree they, they have taken off. I um have the little pins that you can put to decorate them in the truck. Yeah, I forget what they're called, like d- dobbles or bobbles. Like yeah, that. Like, <laughs> my friend is obsessed with them. And uh, yeah, I've gotten very, very into them. I always thought they were so silly. I thought that... Um, only chefs wore them uh, in the kitchen <laughs> and now they've become actual like mainstream, like a uh, ner- norm core kind of like uh, yeah. aesthetic for everyone. And I will say they are incredibly comfortable, yes. but I do feel so silly wearing them all the time. Do you know what they remind me of aesthetically and, and why I think I've been so against them is because do you remember in the 80s? Hmm. Um, the oh, what's the name of them those plastic shoes they're like see-through oh jellies. like jellies yeah oh they i had sparkle jellies yes, yes 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 they and are like, very similar jellies like those i feel like we're less comfortable because also I, right you're seeing all of my feet if they're clear it was just like very weird i don't know <laughs> yeah but, it, it felt you, like you could see the suction of like your skin pushing against the oh, plastic yeah and the sweat like the sweat would yeah. accumulate like my feet aren't even really that sweaty, but no. man, in jellies, it was just like hot. Like right Damn. now, another another like um cute shoe that like women have been wearing, and I wore them one time, and I was like, never again. They're like those pointy high heels, and mm-hmm. then tip of this like this, and just the tip of your shoe is clear. Which oh. like I hate my toes, and so like, same. I do not take good care of my feet. Um, why are we doing that? The yeah, I don't know why you'd want to have a window into the stress, uh, the most <laughs> stressful part of the foot <laughs> for women in shoes. I don't it's, need to see behind the scenes. You can pull back that Oz curtain. I'm yes. good. <laughs> and I wore them one time to an event, and they're really like in right now. I guess. Really? And I look well. And in as I don't really know crap about fashion, but like <laughs> same. Plenty of people are wearing them, and yeah. I'll you'll see at, by the end of the evening just. Uh, it's it's like the inside of a car as though you've been making out. So yeah, it's just fogged all up. Really cool. <laughs> oh, that's fun. And that's how I think Crocs are good in that you they're not see through for the most they're part. They're not see through. Yeah. They will give your feet more room to breathe. I feel like they are a bit of the counter of that kind of yes. shoe that they do provide a hilarious amount of toe room, um, a comical (laughs) duck foot amount of toe room for you. So I encourage you to to venture out and and try a pair. They're very fun. Yeah. So you know what? Whoever wrote this, go rock your white Crocs until they're black because you've been riding them around wherever you're And also they're plastic, so you can wash them. That's like the beauty of them, I think. That's the thing. Can you wash shoes? 
Because I have a... You won't know until you do it once. <laughs> you know what? After this phone call, I'm doing it. And I'm just gonna be like, hey, you know, guess what? Didn't if, work. If you try it one time, you'll find the answer to that. <laughs> All it takes. Just do that. I love that. Um, Haley, we've reached the end of the podcast. This has been so, so fun. Um, before you go, we like to give our guests a little personalized horoscope from us to you that Melissa has just put in the chat. If you'd like to read yours out loud for everyone. Be honored. Oh, you know, I'm a Pisces. Oh, I okay. mean, we can only go by what the internet tells us. That's true. Can you imagine? I'm like, I'm actually Sagittarius. No. I know, waiting for that day to happen. <laughs> no. Um, okay. This is so exciting. What if this is horrible news? Okay, we'll see. Dear Pisces, fish of the stars, you may feel your priorities shift to matters of the home rather than work. Yes. But mm-hmm. then you went and decided to make home renovations. At, are you messing with me? Okay, wait. Mm-hmm. But then you went and decided to make home renovations a new work project. So now even the stars are confused. But boy, do those marble countertops look good. Okay, did you, you write go. this? We might have, we might have had (laughs) some influence on this horoscope for you, but I like, that's the thing about horoscopes is I will read them and I'm like, someone is watching me. Oh, same. I will read the most like, um, completely, uh, universal thing and be like, that is just me. Isn't that just an only uniquely me? (laughs) Just Pisces. Yeah. I'm so Pisces. Um, Haley, where can people find you? Where can they get the potential future music or anything else that you're working on if they don't already know? So I'm on all social media platforms under Haley Arantia. Um, I know it's a weird spelling, but just you'll find, find it somewhere it. maybe. <laughs> uh, it, or don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm on yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but more importantly, TikTok, because that's Heck where yeah. it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, really love TikTok and then music. I'm on all streaming platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, and it's just under my name as well, Haley Arantia. Amazing. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you. This is awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to see what kind of music you make. And I can't wait to see um, your Instagrams and your first pair of Crocs. It's going to be so exciting. You know I will tweet at you and let you Please. Hey, I went ahead and got it with the little doohickeys on that. Love it. Love it. Love it. And um, best of luck and fingers crossed that we get to see you and your family on TV soon, renovating homes and giving us all of the DIY um, intel that we all so desperately need. Thank you. I hope so too. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> 